laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Father, in these next few moments this morning, let us hear truth from your word. Holy Spirit, come as our teacher. We choose to keep our lives shapeable, moldable, pliable by your truth. So let our ears hear what we've never heard, our eyes see new things that we've never seen, and our hearts receive your word planted to bring forth the full performance of your word through our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. So look at the cover of your outline. I put an interesting memory verse on here, not out of uh, uh, Acts chapter 8 here, but out of Luke 24. It's actually a commissioning word from the Lord to the disciples, just as he and, and commissions them to go and tarry in Jerusalem. So read this verse with me. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Look at that. Tarry until you are endued with power from on high. What an amazing statement. The word endued there in the Greek, I put it in, in here just so you would see it. Enduo, it is in the sense of sinking into a garment. To invest with clothing, to array, to clothe with, to endue, to have Put on. So it references outwardly. In the Old Testament, when they were going to anoint the priest or the king, when David came to Samuel, when Samuel came to David's house to anoint him as king, he took the horn of oil and he poured it over David's head and it ran down and it saturated in him. He was anointed, an outward anointing upon his life. He was endued with an anointing. And that's what happened in Acts chapter 8. They had received Christ. And what God has for every one of our life is this endowment endowment with power and what holds us back many times from being brave from being courageous for God from stepping out is that we feel so inadequate in ourselves and it's amazing that God did not tell his disciples go out and do the best you can he said no this is what you're going to do you're going to wait and then I am going to clothe you with power I'm going to endue you with power, and you're going to be covered with my power. I'm not going to ask you to do it in your ability, in your strength, but I'm going to give you my anointing and my power that you then might be my witnesses. This is what he said, Acts 1 and verse 8 said, after the Holy Ghost comes upon you you shall receive power so Peter and John when they heard in Jerusalem heard that they had received that Samaria had accepted Christ as their Savior they sent Peter and John there to lay hands on them that the Holy Spirit would come upon them we read it as yet he had not come upon any of them and so this anointing comes upon us for the purpose of enduing us with power so that we can be dynamic witnesses for God how many would agree this morning I'm not making anything up or adding anything to it, but that's what God gives us there. Look at the confession this morning, and I encourage you to read this with me. Father, today I thank you that I'm not called to live by my own strength or power. I'm called to live in the life that you have given me through your Son. I'm clothed with the power of your Spirit upon my life. I am more than able and I am, and am, I am fully equipped by your Spirit to fulfill your call and purpose through my life. Today I choose to walk by faith and to be led by your Spirit to reach the lost at any cost, to live my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I found out all these years ago that when God calls us, he equips us. 
And God gives us this dynamic equipping to live for him, to be bold for him, and to have an impact for him in this world through our life. Look at your outline there at the bottom. There's still a need today for a man with a message to reach out and touch a city with the love of God and the gospel of Christ. Philip was just such a man. He had a message that came from heaven, a heart that had been changed by God, and a faith that moved with obedience to God's word. Wasn't anybody special? He was just like any one of you and me in this building this morning. He was just somebody whose heart had been changed by the truth of the gospel, and he had faith and confidence in God, and then he stepped out in obedience to the word of God. We live in a city and a county that needs to see our faith released in obedience to God's word, to reach out and to touch lives with the power of the gospel of Christ. Let me say, Pastor, why are we going out? Why do we do these things? Why do we do this or that? Because unless we go, we can't reach them for too long the church has thought hey if, if they will just wait here if we just gather they will come to us that was never the plan Jesus said don't gather and wait for them to come he said go get them amen at one point he said go out in the highways and the hedges and the by and compel them to come that that takes courage how many know you have to get out of your natural self to invite somebody to reach out to somebody to minister to somebody but he gives us that ability so let's talk about philip look inside your outline there what about the man what kind of man with this think about it god is always and will always call and use men and women to reach people with the power of his love you know it's easy i love reading the book of revelation i have to write a letter to suzanne she asked me questions about the book of revelation our view on it so i have to respond to her in that but uh, when you read the book of revelation you find out there's actually a place in there where god sends the angels to fly around and preach the gospel wouldn't it be great if the angels did our job for us i think that's what many people are waiting for that scripture to be fulfilled but when that scripture is being fulfilled you and i have already been raptured we're in heaven with god and a whole different scenario is taking place on the earth so if you're here and that's happening, you missed it. All right. <laughs> Amen. So there's a little sidebar there. Amen. But God uses us. He needs us. All God needs is people of a good reputation. Go with me to Acts chapter 6. Just turn back to your left, maybe a page and a half or so, and you'll find the beginning of Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. We get that stuff today. I don't think this is where I don't think that's where that's going on. Good, we'll put you in charge of that, and that'll ease all the complaints. Praise the Lord. Verse 2, then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables and handle dispute. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of what? Good reputation. Seven men of a good reputation. Look at that. Of a good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. When it comes to you and I, the one thing you and I are asked by God to bring to the table is a good reputation. What does that mean? That means be a person of your word. Don't speak out of both sides of your mouth. Let your yes be yes and your no be yo. If you swear to your own hurt, bless God, just suck it up. Go through it. You'll learn. You'll be better. But have some integrity. 
Amen. Just be a person of integrity. And then God brings the Holy Spirit and his wisdom upon your life. So if he can just find a person of integrity, a person of a good reputation, then he can anoint that person and do dynamic things through their lives. Praise the Lord. So that's what he's looking for. There are simple qualifications that are within the grasp of all of us. All it takes is a willing heart and an obedient life. So everybody in this room, you're a candidate. Amen. To be greatly used by God. Because, look, at, it's not about them just said, hey, just go away and I will clothe you with power. Philip didn't go in his own power. He didn't go in his own strength. He didn't have some special speaking gift. He just believed in the promise of God and in faith and obedience to it saw God use him mightily. What about the message? I like this. You don't have to make things up when you can preach the greatest message the world has ever known. We think God's word needs so much help. It doesn't need help. And let me put you like this. The greatest truth of the message is your life. I remember when Jesus came out of the boat in, in, in the region of Gadara, and the man who was demon-possessed and living in the tombs met him. And Jesus has an encounter with that man, and the man is filled with thousands of demons. And Jesus cast the demons out of the man. The man was naked. He was living in the tomb. He had cut himself. They'd try to chain him. He'd break out of the chain and everything else. Had the whole region freaked out. If anybody saw him, ah, they, they were just extremely afraid of this guy. But then he gets healed, and he's in his right mind, and he says to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus being run out of town for healing him. That sounds normal. <laughs> Do a great miracle. This guy gets saved, and people run you out of town. And so here's Jesus, because he caused pork futures to take a serious drop. But anyway... On that same side. So, so the man comes up to Jesus. Jesus, I want to go with you. And Jesus said, no, this is what you do. You go and tell everybody what great things God has done in your life. You know what the gospel is? The great things God has done in your life. The, lime, the, the, blame, the blame man sitting on the lame on the side. Yeah. The blind man sitting on the road in John chapter 9. He's sitting there. Jesus heals him, his eye. And then what they say, what happened to you? He says, I don't know. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. How did it happen? I can't tell you how it happened. I was sitting there. I heard, and then I felt something wet in my eyes, and the man said, go wash. And I said, no, duh. <laughs> Amen? And then I see. I had mud, put guys spit, put mud in my eyes, told me to go walk, and I see. All I know is I was blind, now I see. The great things that God has done in your life are the greatest testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be hermeneutically and homeneutically correct. You don't have to exegesis the whole scripture. You don't have to break it down. You don't have to know line by line. You don't have to know Greek. You don't have to know Hebrew. You have to know I was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, now I see. I was brown. I'm free in Jesus' name. That's all you have to know. Amen? Telling somebody. You don't have to add to the message. And, and we're caught up in that today. I thank God I have a picture behind me. I have a weird thing on my head so you can hear me. We can record. That's awesome. Amen? We had music. We got like cool lights if we want them on. We could do stuff. We have air blowing in here. We have people fanning making more air. It's awesome. We have all these conveniences in here. You're saying, we have bathrooms down the hall. Philip had none of that. He just had the gospel, and a city was transformed with joy by the power of the gospel. 
See, you never have to debate, debate fact or fiction when you have a message that can change lives with its truth and power. There's never a want for an audience when you have a message like this. The message is more than a story. It's a life-changing, saving, and delivering truth. How about you? My life was changed. God ch changed my life. See, the truth of the message is backed by the power of God. Jesus said this, if you go and declare my word, you go everywhere and preach my word, and I will confirm my word with signs following. I think we're seeing fewer signs because we're trying to help the word. We just stay with his word. He will always confirm his word. So think about it. God sent his son, the Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing sent from heaven to save, to heal, and deliver his creation from the oppression of the enemy. What's that message? It's just what we told you last week, that you can walk up to somebody and say, hey, I don't have to know where you've been. There's somebody who already knows your backstory. And the only thing you need to know today is your backstory is not going to be your last story. Because God already has a plan. He already has a purpose. And if you will receive his forgiveness, you can turn the page on your past today. Somebody ought to say amen. What about the city? It's just a city in Samaria. No special distinction is made. There's no great need here that demands Philip's attention. Much like our area. Why does God need us to go into Diamond Spring? There's no great special thing about Diamond Spring. There's just hurting people here. All around you. Even in this room this morning, there's people who came in with burdens upon their lives. There's a great need here when you look at the needs in people's lives. As a result of the persecution that had come upon the church, Philip found himself in this city, not by any other reason, just driven there. The city is the same as every city in the world. Hurting people live there. I shared it in first service. When we planted the church in Cameron Park, my pastor had, had a heart just for street people. He loved being on the streets with down-and-out people and that. And, and they're in Marysville and Yuba City and Olive Hurst and Linda. He just loved people and that. And so when we planted the church in, in, in Cameron Park, he thought we were just a little bit too much in Yuppieville. And we're just, you know, yeah, that's good. You know, middle class people need the word of God. And it's true. Everybody needs it. Stay with me on what I'm saying. But his heart was for broken and for hurting people. And I found out when I was there, there are broken and hurting people. The outside doesn't tell you anything about what's going on on the inside. Amen. And so it's not a sign. There's just hurt. It's just, it's just covered. It just has different makeup on. It has different, it's dressed differently. It looks different. There's brokenness and hurt in every place. But when we relocated the church to, to Placidville, he goes, oh, Don, that's good. There are hurting people there. But just the way his thought and his heart was said, there, there's need there. Because he had been here and he had uh, sisterhood. Her family had grown up in this area. And he had contacts here. But he knew things about the area. And he just felt like there was, he just, in his mind, he thought there was more need there. But there's need everywhere where we go. Samaria, wherever we are, there's hurting people everywhere. Wherever there are hurting people, there's a need for a man with a message of hope, healing, and power. How many of you would agree? So what do we do? All we need is a creative way to touch the hurt or need in the lives of people. And Pastor, what are you doing on this outreach this Saturday? And this month, we're just trying to encourage you. It's so powerful with what you guys enabled us to do with the backpacks and reaching out and the community support that people come in. Why are you doing that? And, and, and when the manager from Walmart comes and he walks, how are you guys? I'm amazed at what you guys are doing. We want to help. We want to partner with you. Amazing when you start helping her, how much people want to be involved in that. 
And then that he's there, and, and Sean said, uh, I'm there, and, and, and he's broken almost to the point of reaching, watching these kids, and then being a part of me. God transforming his heart, but transforming our community. If you just find a way, and then people open up, and once you begin to give, people open up, and they'll begin to share their pain just through a touch. This Saturday we go out, and what if you just hold up a sign, somebody's having a broken day in your life, say, hey, your smile lights up my life. Keep smiling and just give signs of encouragement, words of encouragement. People, some people go through a whole day and never get encouraged. Never hear anything exciting about their life. Nobody's believed them. People have put them down. And then somebody they don't know just out of the blue, you can turn somebody's life around to walk up to somebody pushing a shopping cart say, hey, could I help you with that? To give a lady a flower in the parking lot for no reason, you could turn her world around. Hey, man, hey, let me just bless you. You're beautiful. Let me give you a carnation and doing that. Let me give you a bottle of water. Let me pump your gas. Let me watch. Why are you doing that? Because God so loved the world he gave, and we just want to give you some of that love today. People would be changed by that. Reaching out, doing that, make a difference. And you didn't have to know any Bible to do it. didn't have to quote a verse. You don't have to do anything that you might be intimidated about. You can do it through a food closet, homeless shelters, recovery program, crisis center, Lord's Gym, any other means of touching lives with compassion and love. Why? Because you're the conduit of connection to the hurts in people's lives. Amen. That's why we're going out this Saturday. People are always looking for answers to their needs and will even follow and give heed to sorcery and magic when there is no truth. That's what the Spirit of God said to me on this point. Say, if we're not going to give, we, we get where we're coming in, and the consumer mentality of our culture has caused the church to gather in and to receive. We come to receive, we come to receive. Then come here to give today. Pastor, you tell me I need to give. I came here needing. The way to get your answer met is to sow. Your answer is in sowing, not in receiving. Amen. Hear me this morning. I don't want to make you mad or get you upset. But if I need to, I will. I have no problem with that. You cannot be depressed. Pastor Casey said this, and I heard it, and people get upset. The only way you can be depressed is by thinking about yourself. If we could shift your focus off of yourself, your problems, your own needs. People say, I don't have time for that. I'm so consumed with my own life, I don't have time for anybody else. Well, first of all, in a very polite way, your life's not that important. <laughs> to be consuming your whole life to where you have nothing left to give to anybody else. Because if you do that, if you're consumed with your whole life, then when it gets into your marriage, you'll just be consumed with yourself. And you wonder why your marriage isn't working because you're a self-consumed individual. And you're not giving out to your wife. The only way you can have a successful marriage. A marriage is successful when two people sow from themselves into each other. When two people quit sowing from themselves into each other, there is no harvest in their union because there's no seed being sowed. And then they wonder why their marriage falls apart because there's no sowing. So there is no reaping. And that'll come up in the marriage class that we're having not too long to do. But the only way, how do you get, the way to get your, how do you get healed? Pray for sick people. How do you get peace? Pray for people that have no peace. How do you find joy? Pray for people that are discouraged. Love on people. Give and sow into people and watch what happens. Amen?
But when we don't, if we pull back and we just become the consumers and we're in so much need, then somebody else is going to rise up and take the message of sorcery out there. And we wonder what's happened. How's our world going to hell? How are all these things happening? Because we've been so consumed with receiving, we're no longer giving out and sharing the truth. Times have changed, but people and their needs have not. Our city and county needs the same message that Samaria needed. So what are the results? Watch what happens. If we'll do this, like Philip, great joy came to that city because a man with a message, the power of God is real, people. The power of God is real. It was real in Philip's day, and it is real in our day. The truth of the message provides the power, provides the power and truth, Never changes. A lot of things change, but truth never changes. The kingdom of God is still being established in the name of Jesus Christ and still has the power to save, to heal, and to deliver. Wherever you are today, right here today, in a moment, in a prayer, in a moment of dedication and consecration of your life, you can be saved, you can be healed, and you can be delivered. And you can walk out of this building today with the testimony that God has set you free. And when you get to the restaurant, when you get to the store, your countenance will have changed. I remember the day I came out of the prayer room and I gave my life to Christ. In just a few moments of consecration and prayer with God, God changed my life. My countenance changed. Something was different. I came face to face with my pastor and he said, boy, you've been drinking at the well. I didn't even say anything to him. Something was different. When you have an encounter with God. The power is still real today and it'll change your life and you will go Away with a testimony. Today, God will do that. He will save you, heal you, deliver you, and fill you with His Holy Spirit right here, right now. The same God that changed and equipped and empowered Philip is here for us to touch our city today. The same joy that touched their lives is available to you today. You know, sometimes when it comes to touching people, the worship team comes back. Let me share this with you. I and I've used Wyman's story over the years, but there's different people that we've loved on over the years, but he was probably the first person in my life when I got saved. I was still doing concrete work and uh, working through the union. We were living in Marysville, and uh, the union hall was in Chico, and so they would dispatch us out of Chico to work on short-term jobs. Well, they were sending me from Marysville to Herlong, which is right between... Susanville and Reno there past Doyle on 395 and they're sending me out there to the Air Force Base to pour uh, missile containment shelters so like tilt up to store uh, ammunition in so I'm driving but I'm trying to go to Bible school in Marysville so hell, this is quite a commute from Herlong to Marysville and back and stuff so then I had a cousin that lived in Quincy so I'm staying in Quincy driving to Herlong it's just a I said God I need a job I need a job I'm gonna go to Bible school I need a job so through, not to get into that whole testimony, but God gave me a job to work for the cable company in Yuba City. So I worked in the cable company in Yuba City. There was a young man there named Wyman Harrell who was a fellow worker there, and we became friends. And so when we would finish all of our job orders for the day, he would always radio me towards the end of the day. He said, uh, Don, what's your address? What job are you on? And I'd tell him. So he'd find me at the end of the day. And then I would preach there. I'm a young guy. I'm saved. I'm going to Bible school. I'd preach anything that stood still. <laughs> I'd just preach to him. And I'd preach. And I'd give altar calls. I'd say, Wyman, bow your head. Pray this prayer. 
I mean, I'd go after him. And he, and he just, he just, oh, Don, I just like to hear you talk. It feels good. But, oh, man, I appreciate that guy for a year and a half. And then he finally opened up one day and he told me a story. He said, my mom and dad raised me up in the Nazarene church. He says, I went to Sunday school. I went to their uh, catechism classes. I went through the whole class on sanctification. I baptized and did all the thing at 12 and all this stuff. I said, oh, really? I said, you, I said, you know the truth. And you've rejected the truth. And I said, your wife and your two children have never heard. The, so you're running and they've never heard. I said, one of these days, you're going to stand before God and at judgment. And God said, son, you knew, but you never told your wife and you never told your kids. And while you're standing there before God, you're going to watch a demon come out of hell and drag your wife and your children into hell. And they're going to say, Daddy, you never told us the truth. That Saturday, he came and gave his life to the Lord. Amen. Don't make me talk to you like that. <laughs> Amen. But his, and, so, and he's been serving God ever since. But that reality in our life. And there's some people that you reach out to and you're witness to time and time again. There's other people, you'll just say something to them. One time we were on the streets, these guys were walking by. We were in Pacifica. We did this outreach. And we got out of the car. As soon as we got out of the car, these kids were walking by. I said, hey, where are you guys going? I don't know. I said, sit down. <laughs> okay. And the little wall there, they sat down, and I preached to them. Three kids. And then one of them came to the outreach that night, gave his life to the Lord. I gave him my Bible. As far as I know, he's still serving God. So sometimes you can just, it'll work right there in a moment. And at other times, it'll take you a year and a half. But you just have to reach out. Why? Look at this last story in your outline. Follow this with me. God wants to touch somebody through your life. You say, oh, pastor, that's you. You're just so crazy and wild for God. I'm just so quiet. No, God knows exactly what your personality is. And there's somebody that he needs you to reach that would never take three seconds to listen to me. I'd scare them. They won't listen to me. They need you, not me. They need, they need you. There is somebody that needs you endued with this power, just believing in who you are. God knows your gifts. He knows the things that aren't like anybody else, but he needs to use you to reach that one, per that one person on your job that always gets their lunch and goes into the break room and sits in the corner and doesn't interact with anybody. That person that has a backstory, there's a burden upon their life. They just need that person to reach out and say, hey, I'm praying for you. You're on my heart. I love you. You ever need to talk? I'm here for you. They just need you. They need you. Lester Summerall wrote this. I put it in here for you. It describes where we are today. During medieval times in Great Britain, there was lepers throughout the land. At Selby Abbey in Selby, Yorkshire, there was a very novel method employed which allowed the lepers of that region to hear and to see the religious services inside the abbey. At a certain point, a hole had been cut through the nine-foot thickness of the wall. It had been cut diagonally and served as a hagioscope, which is like a, 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 kind of like a triangle. It was a small hole and was beveled out, so it like worked like a, kind of like a, a funnel, but you'd look through the little hole and funnel out like that on, a, on an angle like that. 
by which one could obtain a clear view of the church's altar and pulpit through this hole in the wall. became known as the leper squint. What that meant is being a Catholic church that they'd be able to see. And when the priest was holding up the host during communion, they could see through the wall the representation of the body of Christ and the cup being lifted up. And, they, and on the outside, they're looking through a little hole because they're separated. But they're able to, a way had been made for them to, not to come in, but to look in. For here, lepers and others who were not allowed to be in fellowship with the congregation were permitted to come and observe the services from afar. And I said in first services, what's been on my heart and what the Spirit of God's been doing in me and making me more and more aware when I said about God's judgment. God never pronounces judgment to lord it over somebody. And last week when I preached on the backstory and understanding everybody has a story, and, and we're seeing a lot of changes in our society, but I'm hearing this tone in the church. And it's kind of like, hey, you need to hear what we have to say, but until you change, you need to stay out there. You need to hear it out there, but you're not, we don't want you coming in here. You can look through the hole, and you can peer in here, but I'm telling you today, we need to get rid of the hole, and we need to keep putting the restrict, quit putting restrictions on people, and we need to say, hey, the door's been swung open wide, and you can be forgiven. And it begins with me loving you. This old practice brings a vivid message to our heart. Leprosy is a type of sin. Sin separates from God in the same way that the wall separated lepers from the place of fellowship and repentance. See, before Christ came, man was forced to view and witness the fellowship of God and salvation from afar through the prophets and the priests. However, God so loved the world that as he loved this poor mankind, sin, sick, and diseased with spiritual leprosy, that he gave his only begotten son, Christ the great physician and the only one who can heal the soul disease of sin leprosy. You see, Christ knew that only by the divine alchemy of his own efficacious blood could man be healed of his sins. Therefore, Christ gave the world the eternal antidote for sin, his blood. His atoning blood heals the sinner. Now all of mankind may enter through the door, which is Christ, into the congregation of the righteous. The aperture has been closed and the door stands open. Christ invites the sinner graciously. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go out and in and find pasture. For us today, there's no further need to witness God's blessing from afar, to be outside the wall and merely observe and yet never partake. There's an open door before us all in Christ into the fellowship and fullness of His atoning grace. We are now brought nigh by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and made partakers of His divine nature. And I'm just saying to you, church, that we need to love our community in a greater way than we ever have before. And we need to, we need to allow God to make us a Philip in our day, in our city, to go out. This last week, as I was going through my drawer, I have an envelope there from a young man years ago when we were out on the streets, a young man named Vincent who was caught up in the, in the gay lifestyle, we brought him into our home, and we loved on him, and he had holidays with us, Thanksgiving and Easter, and I just loved on him, and, and through the years, and then he just got pulled back and just running, and so it's just been on my heart, and it's been a few years, and I hadn't received a card from him, I used to get Christmas cards from him all the time, and God put it on my heart, I don't know his backstory. 
I don't know the pain of his life. I don't know what led him there. But I know there was a tenderness in him. And I know there was still something there that even he writes to me and said, Pastor Don, I love you. Thank you for loving me. And there are people all around us today that just need you and I to love them with the compassion and the grace. You don't have to understand. You don't have to figure it out. You just need to love them. And if you will love them. So I wrote him another card. I sent him a Starbucks card. I said, Vincent, do you still live here? In my heart, you're my prayers. I love you. God loves you. There's somebody in your life that you need to love. There's somebody around us. We just live in a broken world full of hurting people. And there's a lie of sorcery in our nation. There's a lie of this. Sorcery is deception. And we have a nation that is shrouded in deception and we can only pierce it with the truth of God's love. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Maybe you're here today and you're just in that broken place. Maybe you're here and your backstory and your pain is just overwhelming and you just need that Savior and that breakthrough today. I'm telling you, God's right here to save you, to heal you, to deliver you, to fill you and endue you with this power. If you could just give him a moment of consecration in your life. If you could just let go, open your heart and let him embrace you. God's love will receive you right where you're at. Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe that's you. If you're here today and you know, I just need, Pastor, I came, I just need a Savior today. I need the hope that Philip declared. I'm the hurt, I'm the broken, I'm the needy, and I need God's healing today. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, that you just raise your hand right where you are. I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want all of us to pray this prayer together. Maybe you're raising your hand, you have before, and I'm just saying, not that it's not genuine, but God wants to heal you. He doesn't want you to carry that. The healing of God is to be able to release that and let that go. Let's pray this together. Father, today I come in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. I bring to you all my pain, all my shame, all my guilt, my past I give to you. I ask you today, Forgive me, cleanse me, heal me from all my sin. Today I receive your love, your grace, your healing in my life. Today I declare I am saved, I am healed, I am delivered, I'm anointed, clothed with the power of God. I'm free from my past, I'm released to my future. Today I choose to live from this moment on, on your path for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you mean that, give God a great praise in this house today. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to ask you to do something with me. Will you stand this morning with me? And I'm going to ask them just to lead us in song. Will you just do this with me? Will you just pray just before we go? 
We say, God, do something so dynamic in me. Maybe you're here today and it's been so hard for you to get off of your life. I know what it's like to have pressure, to be consumed, to have to look at that. But then I know what it's like to press outside myself and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Just like Sean said in the offering, God, there's a need. There's a demand that's been placed upon our life. But God, I can either be consumed by that. I can either start to rearrange things to try to deal with that. Or I can say, God, you're my answer and I trust you. So I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to keep believing you. And I'm going to keep moving forward in you. And I'm going to believe you're going to meet every need in my life. And God will come through. You need to do that today. There will be people here who want to pray with you. Maybe you just need to find a place at an altar and say, God, I just need to give this and leave this here. Pray and leave it here. Not pick it up on the way out, but leave it to be consumed on the altar of God. But then while we're singing here, maybe you would pray. And say, God, break my heart today. Let me see those who feel like they're the lepers of our day, who are just peering through the window, who have desire inside. Let me see the Vincent who, who, who know they're caught up in something in life and, and they're uncomfortable and they keep reaching out. They keep trying to make contact. God, I don't want them looking through a hole in a wall. I want them to know the door's wide open. God, lead me to somebody. Use me like a Philip today. Let God change your heart. Let him break your heart as they lead us in this song. Make it your prayer. Make it your request to God. In Jesus' name. Be lifted high. Yes, God. Yes, be lifted. In my world. Yes, God. Oh, yes, make it your prayer. Yes. Yes, God. Come on. Yes. Our Yes, Lord. Yes, Father. Be lifted high. Yes, God. Come on, declare it one more time. Yes, Lord, in our lives. God, in our world right here in El Dorado County, God, be lifted high. Yes, God. Lord, let our love, let our love reach our county, God. Let us reach the hurting, the broken, the outcast, God. Let them know you love them, God. Send us to our world, God. Use us, God. Yes, Father. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Now, Father, today, God, shake our lives. Open our eyes. 
God, let us see the pain, the brokenness, the need around us. Lord, the realities of our life are so real, but we know that you've given us your word. We have this confidence in you. We have great hope in you. You love us. You care for us. We know that you'll meet every need of our lives. Father, help us to push outside of ourselves to love somebody. Help us see that person on the job. There's somebody in here and God's been speaking to you about somebody on your job to reach out, to love them. It's been on your heart. You've hesitated and God's put them on your heart. Reach out to them. It might take you one time. It might take you years, but God will use you if you'll just let him. He'll give you the anointing. Get past yourself. Get past your fear. You'll be endued with power. The Holy Spirit has been poured out upon your life. Come on use what he's given you just to love them don't let them peer through the hole any longer let them know the doors open and let them come through your arms embracing them loving them reaching out to them God could do something great to your life father today I pray over your people bless them use them send them to reach our region in Jesus name everybody said Come on, give God a great praise today. Declare His glory in this house. We love you, Father. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. We love you, Lord. Amen.